Sunsets from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So if you noticed us, our flyer, you know, everything in, in Ecclesia Hills is done, you know, properly. There's nothing, you, anything you see is not by accident. Like I said, Pastor Moses, well, he, he, he journeys with a cloud of fire and the pillar, you know, he just goes. When they said to me, do this message, I said, message, oh, please, oh, I don't know what to do. I had something else. And then halfway through, he changed it. And he said, then they had pictures. And, you know, the posters they brought, one was really modern, really cool. I knew that Pimo liked that one. But then I said, Holy Spirit, he says, put the stained glass windows on up. So I said, stained glass windows. I love stained glass windows. I spend my time, you know, looking for stained glass windows. Art, I will go to a cathedral. I just, and I, I like to, put, you know how stained glass windows tell stories. The gospel stories. And, you know, not only do they tell stories, they're quite intentional, you know. It will be unique. It will convey a story. And light will come in in a particular way. So when you go to um, places like Canterbury, they'll tell you, oh, the story, you know, it's funny you talked about your grandmother, your great-grandmother. Queen Bertha was the one that prayed Christianity into England. She was the queen of some king in Kent. And they said all she did was kneel down every day to pray for this, her brutish husband, to know God. And somehow along the way, God answered her. And, you know, her hope was not lost. She hoped against hope that this man would become a Christian. And he did. Not only did he become a Christian, they built a small chapel for her. Like, okay, go and be doing that your thing you are doing there not knowing that they were sowing the seed of revival into the United Kingdom. And I'm led to say now that that revival will come again to the United Kingdom. That no longer will that land be in darkness, but the light of God will shine forth through. And every darkness, every hold of darkness over the United Kingdom today, we speak light we say, arise, shine, United Kingdom. <laughs> this is not in my message. For your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In Jesus' name. So, the, you know, the, the, the stained glass element um, reminds us that things fall dark. You know, sometimes you go, it's dark, everything is broken. Um, it's, it, but... The one thing that you get from the stained glasses, our resurrected king is still alive. If you see, if you see a story, it says, oh, Mary, Jesus gave, uh, Mary gave birth to Jesus. He was a little boy teaching the temple. And then, you know, he goes to Jerusalem. And then you see him, um, you know, riding on the, palm, on, on the donkey. It's Palm Sunday. And then Resurrection Sunday. You know, he goes on the cross. And then at the end of all that story, the resurrection story, you see the light. The light is brighter. This is our hope. This is our hope. So imagine that I'm your tour guide in the cathedral 
with the stained glass. And I'm telling you stories this morning. Hope. On our group, the church group yesterday, somebody talked about re restored hope, renewed hope. Hope, Sha. Hope is Sha coming. Hope. Okay. What is hope? Hope is more than wishful thinking. You know, oh, I hope one day, you know, when we're little, I had a friend, I have a friend who said when she was little, she just hopes that she will marry, she'll be married to the ambassador of Spain, I think. I don't know why Spain. And blah, that was her dream. I said, today, your husband is not ambassador of Spain, but you know you can make, you can bring him to become. Okay. Hope is more than wishful thinking. It is what anchors us to God's goodness and his faithfulness. And it keeps our heart in a place of surrender. Surrender. You know, when we were little, when they say surrender, we're doing cops and robbers. That should, should, should. Put up your hand. You surrender. Once you surrender, everything else drops off. That's what hope does to us. Hopelessness, on the other side, it robs us of the delight of obedience. When Jesus says to you, do not fear. Abby, and something comes in front of you that is making you scared. What you do is go back into the word and say, your word says, I should not be afraid. I'm holding on to your word. I'm hoping that because you see the future, you told me not to be afraid. Therefore, I'm hoping against what I see that I should not be afraid. Amen? A great man of God who I love very dearly said, hope keeps God's perspective in view. Not your perspective. Because from this vantage point, we can only see so much. But when we hope, we're keeping God's perspective in view. The same man of God says, any area of our lives for which we have no hope is under the influence of a lie. Okay, so let's break it down. You are believing God for a husband. Amen? Or a wife, I heard the brother says. Okay. So you're believing God for a spouse. And you begin to listen. You begin to journey with God. You begin to look for those scriptures. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. A man that does not work will not eat. You know, although, so you begin to build yourself to be a husband. You build yourself to be a wife. You're getting ready. But then, one funny person or funny thoughts, and you know that fox will bring that thought and tell you, see you, see your mates, see what happened. Are you the only one? Mother Mary, well done. Beleo, Paul, how's it going? See that man that was in this, that, and the other? He's married, they have children. Or is it children you're believing God for? Thank you, Holy Spirit. You have the reports. 
You have the doctor's report. You have the consultant's report. You have the chief consultant's report. And they've told you there's no way. As a Christian, what do you do? You know, we say, oh, yes, I believe the truth. But in that dark room, when it's just you and you, where do you go? Who do you call? One of the hardest things we face as Christians is uncertainty. <laughs> Too often we slip into the belief that because we are saved, our struggles are over, when life shows us that it isn't the case, then we lose hope. How can you lose hope? When hope, <laughs> the definition of hope is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Every day as I prepared for this message, I went into Google. I will ask, who is the hope of the world? Try it. Try it now. Google, ask Google, who is the hope of the world? Ask him, it, it, she, whatever she's called. Ask Google, who is the hope of the world? Who is the hope of the world? Pardon? It says Savior. Is Jesus around that Savior something? It is. The living Christ. Not the dead Buddha, not the dead prophet, the living Christ. He is the hope of a world. So how can we be children of a hope of a world and then wallow in despair? The mind boggles. When we face calamity, when we face trouble, know that God's salvation doesn't mean the end of tribulations. It means we can walk in hope. Why? Because we know how the story ends. Say, I'm walking from victory. And then you're going to say, oh God, when? Just like a blacksmith places metal in the fire to mold it to its ultimate purpose, God uses the fires in your life to form you into the person he created you to be. I also like to go and look at goldsmiths to see what they do with metal. While you may feel broken in that process, but when you get to where God is taking you, you will know that it's worth it. So it doesn't look like it now. Doesn't feel like it, doesn't sound like it. And somebody is speaking to me as we're talking. I said, hmm, Stalara, you don't understand what I'm talking about. Do you know the despair? I mean, do you know what's going on? Then you need to know the one. You need to know the one true God. Like Brother Sam exhorted us this morning, there's no other way. There's no other way. You need to know the one true God. Because, number one, he has a plan. Despite the level of the mess. You know that song? That man, Nigerian's uh, gentle, I will pray, I will pray. I will pray, I will pray. Oh, if I don't pray. In my house, a member of my household loves this song. She would just be saying, God, no go make mess of me. Oh, God, you no go make mess of me. Satan, you no go make mess of me. Oh, I will pray, I will pray. We have to pray. No matter the level of the mess, you got to pray. Why? Because God has a plan. 
to give you both a future and a hope. He only, he's the only one that knows when you will arrive at that plan. So your job is to pack your suitcase of faith, of hope, of love, and follow him as he's leading you. You know when you're, uh, little children say, are we there yet? When you're going on a long train, are we there yet, mom? Are we there yet? Be asking him, are we there yet? He will look at you. He will pat your head. He will stroke your cheek. He will hug you. He will love you. But don't give up. Don't say, I'm not going again. I'm going back. Hallelujah. So we're going to go on a small tour. It's funny, as I said, when I said Brother Peter, Brother Peter, Brother Sam read my notes. Peter, he talked about Peter. He said, God, Jesus said to him, Satan has asked to sift you. But I've prayed for you. It didn't mean that he didn't still deny him. Theologians say that, in fact, the person that Satan intended to betray Jesus was probably Peter. The minute he identified him, he says, upon you, I will build my church. You are my rock. He became a target. So, if you are walking with God and you seem it's like there's a target sign on your back, that's all right. It's okay. Because... Your father in heaven is praying for you. So even though he thinks he's got you and you're going to slip, what did he say? He'll keep his angels charge. Charge. Do you know what it means to charge somebody? It means that's your assignment. That my daughter, she must not trip. She cannot fall. And the angel's job is, even when you want to do like his... Amen? So we're going to look at First Peter. Why do you think, I mean, you know, I have a wild imagination. Um, so I always, you know, I, I sit with the Holy Spirit a lot and I ask him questions. I said, you know, why did Peter write this verse? I want to know why. Tell me, because you are the one that made him write it. What was in his mind? And it's First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 um, to 5. I'm reading from the TPT. This morning, and it says, Blessed is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, exclamation mark, because He has raised Jesus, the Anointed, from death. Through His great mercy, we have been reborn into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, from the dead born, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I feel that, and when we get to heaven, we can ask him that Peter, that Monday morning when he went fishing, after he'd gone into the tomb, had seen that Jesus had been risen, he had risen, um, you know how John says he outran him, but 
you know, Peter, because he was older, obviously took some time, but he had the boldness to go in there to look, and he was the one that saw that ah, the clothes, the head, the clothes that we wrapped, they wrapped his head is folded. And then what did he do though? On Monday morning, he went fishing. Why do you think he went fishing? I feel he was ashamed. Maybe nobody knew what he did. He knew what he did. Jesus knew what he did. Because the Bible says when Peter denied him, Jesus turned to look at him. So he knew. And I wonder if, you know, he thought, how am I going to go back to this man? How am I going to go back to this man to say to him, okay, I made a mistake. You were right. And so when he says, he blessed God because he raised Jesus from the dead, number one, hallelujah. And then he says, through his great mercy, we are born again into a living hope. And how did he get there? Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? As soon as he says, it's the Lord, he ran. They said he grabbed his clothes. You know, these were long dressed, like to my dress. And he ran, he ran, he ran in the water. And he went to meet Jesus. And Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? <sighs> you know I love you. Peter, uh, do, you, do, do you know that he, 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 for him to say, look, but for the mercy of God, but for the mercy of God, I would not be able, because I can imagine, you can imagine Chicky John saying, you, I beg. At least I was there with, 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 with Mother Mary when, when he said that I should look after her. Where were you? You can imagine. But Jesus restored him in front of everybody. That is mercy. That's a great mercy Peter is talking about. That me, after denying you, after doing every, after you told me, you warned me, no, no, me, Mr. No, no, you've shown me. Now, you, are, you actually take me back into this living hope. If Jesus is the hope of the world, he's alive. We know he's alive, right? So if he's our living hope, he's alive. That was Peter's for me. According to Lara, that's what he saw. The great mercy. We have been reborn into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead born. We were born dead now. Why? Because of the fall. And then not only do they, not only are we born again, he births us into an inheritance that never perishes spoils or fades. This letter was written to the church being persecuted for being followers of Jesus Christ. Not only did they need to know that they were held secure by God in their day, as in then, but that there was, no matter how bad life gets, there was a future, there's a hope 
does that sound, it rings a bell to me. For me in Nigeria today, hope is the only thing that can keep us going. Hope is what says, I know that things are, eh, not quite perfect, but one day they'll be better. Hope says, I know my life is racked with sin. I know I have that addiction. I know the doctor's report is not good. I know I don't know where my rent is going to come from. I know I don't know where my school fees, children's school fees is going to come from. I know that a family member is ill. But one day, one day, none of that will matter. So, my brothers and sisters, I say to you today, Sunday's coming. We only say that at Easter. You know, our DPs will be shining. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Because we know. But imagine those people, they didn't know. Because if they knew, they wouldn't try to go and anoint the body. Sunday's coming. Hope is here. That weekend, that resurrection weekend, we call it Good Friday now. It was not good that day. Hmm. So the living hope that Peter talks about here is the assurance, hi, confidence that we have in our future salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. I don't know if anyone saw, um, it was a picture, some guy holding a long rope, really long, and then he had just the tip of it, like just a little tip painted red. And he goes, this is how much time we're going to spend here. And then the rest of the rope was eternity. And I want to ask us this morning, have you appropriated the gift that was given to us on the cross? Do you know that Jesus conquered sin and death? That Saturday, there was war going on in the camp of the enemy. He went in there, took the keys, told them, never again. Hope really is a magnet. It's a magnet. And it magnetically attracts into your life the building blocks of the things that we need. Hope comes from God's nature. It doesn't come from man. There's nothing we can do. Oh, I'm hoping. Look, because the cares of the world will come. We can't psych ourselves up into, well, we just got to do it better, you know. Got to do it myself. Uh -huh. All these things. I am, I can do it. It can't work. Hope is in God's nature. You have to put your anchor hooked onto the nature of God. Hear me well and hear me clearly. Hope is not the product of determination. I'm determined. How many of us have determined to fast? We have determined. Sunday after this week, I'm going to. I'm determined. It's not a product of determination. 
Hope is a confident expectation that God is going to do what he says he will do. The question I ask you, my brothers and sisters, is do you ask him what he wants to do? Do you sit with him and ask him, how are we journeying today? The hope we have in Christ, I have said time and time again, is a living hope. It's not dead. It's not lifeless. It's a living expectation. It's a living anticipation. You watch for it. You wait for it. You look forward to it. You look for it. What is the source of this living hope? The source is Jesus Christ, we have said. Who is he? He is our Lord. He can't be your grandma's Lord. He can't be your daddy's Lord. It means a personal relationship. The carpenter from Nazareth, the man who claimed to be God in the flesh. Um, I met a young lady yesterday, young girl, a teenager. And she said to me, is Jesus real? And I said to her, of course he's real. Of course he's real. The Bible tells me he's real. Is he real to you? Is he a historical figure to you? Is he somebody that died for you? Is who he claimed to be? Everybody else came and said, I'm a prophet sent from God. I'm the one with light I see. He says, I am the son of God. Bam. Look, somebody's son here in front. If you say, what's your name? You say, my name is King something. Yeah. He knows who he is. Yeah. So, the same thing. Do you know who you are? Do you know who your Lord is? That's the source of our hope. Because if you don't know who... He is. How are you going to anchor, put your ship, you know, tied to him? You must believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Shikena, no story. He's our Lord. It's a, you know, <clears throat> it's a personal statement to say, He's my Lord. He's my Lord. Because it's the Holy Spirit that draws you. Someone else cannot coerce you. It's not an emotion. You know? It's a conscious decision that we make to repent. We repent of our sins. We receive the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then we begin the journey with Him. What is the source of this hope? He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. 
He's the one promised by God to save men from the wrath of God on sin. To escape the wrath of God on sin, you must be saved. You must be saved from that wrath. And the Savior or Messiah is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can save us. It's not by works, not by talent, not by gift. He just, you just need to submit. When we look around today, all oh, we see is corruption, inflation. Remember, inflation, I know, you know, before, somebody sent me a message, goes, sis, what are, why are we just watching? What are we going to do? The rate is going, I said, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? My own account is not on earth. I bank from heaven. I put my hand in my father's pocket. I'm bragging on my Jesus. I put my hand in my father's pocket and I take what I want. He provides for me. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not ashamed to say it. The time between birth and death is so little. Even though we think it's, you know, so I said to somebody the other day, oh, you will live to 120. And she goes, ah, 120, I'm not sure. Eh, okay. We're born to die. Every single one of us. You're born today. 70, 80, 90, 100, 120. Sha, sha. You got to go home. So where are you going? Where are we going? We're in transition. This is a camp. This is a camp. This earth is a camp. It's a camp. See, all this, these are nations. You know, I say I'm going to the nations. All these nations here. Camp. When you left home, you had an assignment. When you left home, you had an assignment. When you go back home, you're going to have to make account of that assignment. So, some of us go to the school of life and we forget that we're going back home that there's closing time they will ring the bell and everybody must go home no matter how sweet the school is even our normal schools no matter how lovely it is when it's holiday time you must go home okay so we must put this in our very it must be in our focus when you left home they gave you homework. When you got to the place, the school of life, you decided to leave your homework and do follow, follow, and copy another person's homework. Will you not go back to the teacher and say, excuse me, sir, you gave me homework. I didn't write the notes well. Can you please teach me? Tell me again. Because of his great mercy, he will tell you. Because of his great mercy, because he's a loving father, because God is good, he will tell you and tell you, okay, you are a nurse in real life in this your holiday camp, but you are supposed to be a teacher. You can be a nurse and still be a teacher. So please, go and study to become the teacher that you are supposed to be. Amen?
How does he give us this living hope? It comes through Jesus. How does it come through Jesus? By the mercy of God. Verse 3 says, in his great mercy. This is the basis of our hope. It could be no other way. There's just, you know, my brother said, okay, you say, oh, I will, I will, I just want to face God squarely. I don't want to go to club tomorrow. I don't want to sin. I just want to be walking on a holy path. You will fall. Why? Because you are living on this side of heaven. But because of mercy, we come back home and say to the teacher, teacher, I missed my homework. What do I need to do? It's not going to punish you. Tell you, okay, do a U-turn. Do a U-turn. Repent. Yes? Make a U-turn and let's get back on track. That's the hope. The only hope we have is that God will have mercy on us. And what is mercy? It means God withholds his judgment. And he provides a way for us to be saved. Just imagine, and this made me cry, how we treat God. We ignore him. We neglect him. We fail him. We rebel against him. We curse him. We disbelieve him. The list can go on and on and on. But we desperately need his mercy. How on earth can anybody say that they have done enough good things here so they will believe they are in heaven just because I've done... Who? How? We all need his mercy. And the only way we receive that mercy is through what? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says, ask anything in my name, including mercy, and you will get it. The living hope comes through Jesus by the new birth, to be born again, to be reborn, a rebirth. There is no hope for eternal life except a person is born again by the Spirit of God. When you are born again, you begin to walk in the Spirit. You should, we should have a desire to act different, talk different, move different. We are light. We carry light. The very essence of God shows up when we show up. Once we are born again, we live in him. He lives in us. So when darkness shows his face, what does light have to do? Just peek a little and darkness must flee. But if you don't know that you carry light, then you are scared of darkness and then darkness terrorizes you. That's not our portion. Does that mean, I hear somebody say, does that mean, you know, I'm just not going to be cool again? It's not going to be able to hang out when you're born. You know, you're born again, people. We can't hang out. You don't go out. You don't. What's that thing? Pastor Uche, flex. <laughs> that, that they say, you know, don't flex. Then, uh, yeah. 
Let me tell you one thing. Jesus was cool. Jesus was cool. He was a cool dude. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. He was cool. Provided that your mission is... Thank you, my brother, my pastor, my shepherd. Redemptive. You are not going there to pose. I go in there, secret agent. So I'm sitting with you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm not Bible bashing you. But I'm loving you. I'm showing you light. I'm loving you. I'm giving you words of encouragement. I ask the Lord for words of knowledge concerning you. So that when I give it to you, you say, how do you know that thing? And I tell you, Jesus told me. And you say, this is your Jesus. He used to leak secrets. I say, yes, he does. So don't run away from me because he's going to leak the secrets. But he does. He does. Because he loves because he loves. The living hope comes by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. No other faith, no other faith on the face of this earth, eight plus billion people can stand and say, my redeemer liveth. None apart from Christianity. We, the followers of the way, the children of the day, we say our Redeemer lives. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead sets him apart from any other person that has walked the face of this earth and claimed to be divine. Jesus claimed it. He said, I am God. I am the Son. When you see, my, when you see me, you see my Father. And he proved it. His resurrection from the dead is indeed the greatest miracle. That's our source. That's the source of our living hope. I have a quote here by N.T. Wright. He says, Easter was when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. He just did Expo and came. Inheritance can never perish. <laughs> In fact, when I looked at the version, I thought it was me, my mind. He said, it cannot spoil. That's the language. He said, it can't spoil. It doesn't fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for us. It can never perish. It's incorruptible. It does not age. It does not deteriorate. It does not die. This inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. You know how in the 70s, imagine a house that was built in the 70s. Yeah? It would be maybe two-story. They would paint it nice, you know, different from the bungalows. If we inherit that type of house, come on now. I met a family friend the other day and he said, ah, I remember your house. I remember your house, your daddy's house. It was the house, it was the coolest house. It was the house that we all aspired. Ah, that Baba, he built a house. That house today is gone. 
So imagine if you rely on that inheritance that, oh, you know, I'm going to inherit, even if it's jewelry that you inherit, it will go out of fashion. The minute you wear it, they say, ah, your grandmother gave you this. You know those coins, those jewel, those coins, those pendants, big sun dial. Yeah. When you put it on, you say, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to show them my, ah, you're very nice, your grandma gave you this thing. It's aged. Vintage, thank you. <laughs> but the inheritance we get in Jesus doesn't age. It doesn't deteriorate. There's no maintenance that you have to, let me get the new color of paint, let me use the new, this, new, that. No, 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 no. It's forever. It doesn't spoil, it doesn't go off. You know, I pray a prayer every morning. I say, Lord, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Everywhere I step into, it's a perfect health zone. Why? Because there's no sickness in heaven. It doesn't spoil. It doesn't go off. And it can never, ever fade away. This inheritance of a living hope. It lasts forever and ever and ever. So when we go back home, that's when you really step into the inheritance. So you can enjoy it here. You don't have to wait till we go home to begin to enjoy that which the Lord has given to us already. And we are assured of it. In case, you know, I'm so convinced that, you know, Peter was at a place where he said, you know what, I am assured of this living hope because of what he had gone through, what he had seen, the persecutions, you know, and all of that. He says, I am assured. And we are shielded by who? God's power. How do we know for sure that we will receive this inheritance? Everything around you is forceful. Everything is pushing. You know, it's like, how are we going to do it? How's this thing going to happen? They say that I'm a mother of nations. Ha, and I don't have a child. How? God, how? They say that my, my bow will be full. Did it, where is it? Where? How? Eh. We are assured. Because there's an assurance of whose power? God's power. God's power shields us. It guards us. It protects us. It protects us on our journey, this journey through life all the trials, all the temptations. So, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, for those who are saying, no, you know, I can't, be, I can't give my life to Jesus 100% because I still want to, you know, one leg in, one leg out. Let me tell you how the Father works. Come as you are. Just come as you are. Leave the analysis to Him. Come as you are. Come and taste and see of this goodness. Come. You have no water. You don't have money to buy. Come. Just come. He's waiting. He's waiting for you. We don't make a song and dance of it, but he's waiting. He's calling you. He's calling you to realign, to reset. So if we've missed the homework that we were given when we left home, 
He's ready to realign, to reset. He's ready to give you expo. Show you what to do, how to do it. So that you can be redeemed. There's assurance of God's power. There's assurance of faith. We are kept and shielded, not by the, only by the power of God, but our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes a foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So even the Bible acknowledges that it's still not seen, but it doesn't mean that it will not be seen. So we hold on with our faith. There's nobody, nobody, and I make bold to say, who will receive the hope of eternal life or of God's glorious inheritance except he truly believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. I saw something online as I prepared. It says, the greatest man in history named Jesus had no servants. They called him master. Had no degree, yet they called him teacher. Had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives. Will you join me on this journey with my Jesus? Will you hook your anchor to my anchor as we flow with Jesus? Maybe today you are saying, look, it's okay for you to be saying these things. I feel quite hopeless. Well, my God, my Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit want to give you a living hope. A hope that does not fade away. A hope that is active and real. This is the hope. This is the living hope. This is what we have. This is our confidence. This is what makes us stand tall. This is what makes us go into nations and say, this nation is given to me for my inheritance. Why? I have hope. This is why I say, I arise, I shine. Why? Because I have hope. This is why I say, <laughs> but for Jesus, where would I be? Maybe some of you were born again from zero to 24. Or maybe you met Jesus as a seven-year-old but I promise you if everyone got up here and told the story of how they met Jesus then you will understand that honestly there's nothing new under the sun he finds you where you are come to him this morning he's our living hope 
And as I wrap up, I read Hebrews 6, 19 to 20. Hills music. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. I have this hope as an anchor to my soul. That's all we have. And as we sing, as we meditate on this song, whatever it is that is causing hopelessness in your life, in the life of your loved ones, I decree and I declare this morning that a drop of living hope is poured into your life. It's poured into that circumstance. And as we journey, continue to journey this path of our homework, that we are not afraid to go back to Him because His mercies are new every single morning. Great is the faithfulness of our God. My brothers and sisters, all this long English is to say, Give your life to Jesus. He's the only way. There's no other way. He said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except by me. I'm not asking you to come to the front. In your seat, make your peace with him. If you've missed the homework, He's ready to rewrite it for you. If you have lost your exercise book, ask him to give you another one. He will. This is our time. This is the time for us to shine. We are carriers of his hope. We cannot just be and say, oh, what will be will be. Not on our watch. Not on our watch, my brothers and sisters. We have this hope as an anchor to our soul. That is all we have. That is all we have. Jesus Christ, the living son of the most high God. My Jesus, my Lord, my master, my savior. Ah, Father, I thank you. Thank you because you are indeed the anchor of our souls. Thank you that as we go this week, <laughs> even when the enemy comes to whisper, to discourage us, we tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. For I know who I am. I know whose I am. I have an anchor that cannot be shaken or moved. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.